Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 515. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 880 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2021, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting more than 20 U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $9 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. For each podcast episode this year, we thank three of our podcast sponsors. Our first sponsor thanks goes to Rooted Farmers. Rooted Farmers works exclusively with local growers to put the highest quality specialty cut flowers in floral customers' hands. When you partner with Rooted Farmers, you are investing in your community and you can expect a commitment to excellence in return. Learn more at rootedfarmers.com. I'm so happy to introduce you to today's guest, Sarah Riaz of Oakland-based Wildflower and Fern. Sarah's passion for local flowers moves through both retail and wholesale channels. She calls herself a botanical liaison, a term that sums up the role she plays for both customers of her 240-square-foot retail flower shop, which opened in the fall of 2019 at Oakland's Rockridge Market Hall, as well as for fellow florists who turn to Sarah for her connections to unique local and seasonal flowers sourced from flower farms and fields outside of San Francisco. As I alluded, Wildflower and Fern's cooler and storage space serve a dual purpose. It allows Sarah and her team to process flowers and produce larger designs, and it allows wholesale customers to shop from the back of the house, giving even more people access to local California-grown botanicals. I featured more of Sarah's story in a November 2019 issue of Slow Flowers Journal for Florist Review. You can find and download the PDF of that story in today's show notes for episode 515 at com. One more thing I want to mention about Sarah. She is a loyal and passionate supporter of Slow Flowers Society, and she holds the distinction of being the only person other than staff and speakers who has attended all four Slow Flowers Summit conferences. This year, Sarah blew me away. She brought her entire team of designers, which was an amazingly generous way to share her mission and passion with them. You can see photos of Sarah and the Wildflower and Fern shop in Oakland in today's show notes. I visited there on my drive to Filoli where the Slow Flower Summit took place, and it was a delightful way to immerse myself in California-grown flowers and sustainable floral design. So let's jump right in and get started.
Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. And today I am excited to introduce you to Sarah Reyes of Wildflower and Fern based in Oakland, California. I kind of just spontaneously invited myself to come see you, Sarah. Thank you very much. We're really happy to have you here. You have um, been on my wish list to visit. And now that I'm in Oakland on my way to the Slow Flowers Summit, um, I asked you if I could stop by and you said yes. You are you hold the distinction of being one of the only people who has attended all four Slow Flower Summits. And I will keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> uh, but you, you and I met a long time ago. We met down yeah. in the Monterey Bay um, yeah, nursery you, you were doing tour. A, a demo and a book signing at, I think, Pajarosa Farm. Yeah, but that was like know. six or seven years yeah, ago. Yeah, it was maybe seven years ago, I think. Were you teaching then? No, I was... Um, Studying with Kay Wolf in, at Merritt College. Okay. And I was just, like, studying for a Cal State floral exam, um, just getting started, really. Yeah, yeah. I remember connecting very distinctly because you were so, like, I didn't have to explain Slow Flowers to you. You were already there. Yeah. And then we just stayed in touch all these years. Yeah. So I want to introduce you to the Slow Flowers podcast audience for many reasons. One is you're, act- you're very active in promoting Slow Flowers as a part of your mission and your brand, and I want people to hear how that works for you. But um, this business is relatively new for you. You've segued into it. So describe what Wildflower and Fern is, where you're located, and give people a little a little snapshot. Yeah, so Wildflower and Fern is a retail shop, and we're in uh, Market Hall, which is in Rockridge in Oakland. And we're open seven days a week now that things are opening up again, and we have a small studio downstairs where we process most of the things, and we um, and what we're processing is all locally grown stuff. We do quite a bit of shopping at the San Francisco Flower Market, but also we have farms that drop off to us. We shop the farmer's markets now. That was one of the silver linings of COVID was getting to the farmer's market and getting to know new farms, so we're... we're um, supporting a lot more farms than we were in the beginning. Wow. And and our the market here, the people really love the idea, and we all talk about it so much. Because, you know, a lot of people don't realize how important it is to buy local and things that are sustainably grown. And the more we talk about it to the end customer, the more local flowers we're going to sell. And so they get on board then. Yeah. So Market Hall, describe what Market Hall is and why it's such a unique spot for Wildflower and Fern. Yeah. So Market Hall is like a European style food marketplace. So we've got organic meats in Marin Sun Farms. We have um, organic local produce. We have wild caught fish at Hapuku. And we have Market Hall themselves have the fish market and they have a cheese section and a deli and they started out as the pasta shop, and so their pasta section is great. And then they have a few businesses that are not part of Market Hall. We've got a wine shop and coffee and then the flower shop. And they've had a flower shop in this location since they opened about 30 years ago. I will be the fourth owner of a shop in that location. As, as a and tenant of the smallest flower shop, square footage-wise, I've ever seen. Yeah, I think we're at about maybe 240 square feet in the shop and then maybe 100 down here in the studio. Um yeah. It just shows that you, you, if you're ingenious about how you display things, you can really max out that kind of space. Yeah. Yeah. The previous owner had a really good system. And so I've held on to some of those systems and the way we just roll the carts out of the shop. It's like a puzzle. 
um, bring all the flowers outside so people walking by see them and are invited in. It's like spilling over onto the sidewalk. Yeah, mm-hmm. now that now that we're wildflower and fern, we've got ferns hanging all over the place. There's a fern grotto along the sidewalk, and it's just heaven. That's so yeah. neat. So being in this environment of other um, growers, purveyors, you know, f- sort of agriculture-based uh, local food is really just aligned with um, they wanted to have a flower shop here. Yes. Yeah. Um, you, oh, when did you, I know that you worked for the previous owner and then kind of miraculously an opportunity came along to yeah. establish your own uh, business here. Yeah, that happened in um, September of 2019. And I just wanted to get through the holidays and get through Valentine's Day and then I was had these plants of other things I wanted to do around the local flower scene. And then COVID happened, and it kind of slowed everything down. Oh, you poor thing. You weren't even six months into it. No. Oh. So I had no cushion. I still owed the previous owner money for, you know, the fridges and stuff sure. that he left. And, and so, yeah, it was a pivot. And so we closed. <laughs> I closed for about three weeks because I didn't know what to do. And then I was like... I have to do something. The farms, all their flower, it was spring. The flowers were coming. There was nowhere for them to sell them. The flower market had shut down in San Francisco. And I just went to the farmer's market. And I grabbed bunches of ranunculus, and I brought them back here, and I cut them, cleaned them a little, wrapped them, and sold them through produce at Market Hall. They were really supportive. Because they were food. They were considered more essential. Exactly. So before florists were considered essential... I was under their umbrella, and they were really supportive. They never wanted me to close at all. Mm-hmm. So I kept the shop closed for a few months but sold out of produce. Mm. And then sometime after Mother's Day, brought um, staff back a little bit more regularly. Wow. And, uh, and then, yeah, so it allows us to support more farms. And, yeah. But, you know, talking about being creative and sort of trying to pivot, I want to backtrack a couple years prior to that when you were – having to be incredibly creative just to get domestic regional product um, because, well, not to, you know, let's just be honest. The San Francisco flower market only had a fraction of product that was domestic. A lot of it was imported. So, and that's a a bit of a trek traffic wise to go from Oakland to San Francisco. So you kind of developed your own sources up in wine country. Well, because I had, I had learned about, we have a cabin up in that area. My family's been up there for a long time, so it's home to me. And I learned about the Sonoma Flower Market around the time that you went up to visit North Bay Flower Collective. Right. And before it even opened, Nicole, who owns California Sister, invited me to one of the farm meetings. And I got really excited, and I told them, I'm buying my flowers up here, and I'm going to take them down to the East Bay. And so I was doing retail pop-ups on my own. And I just bought flowers up there. And then I started buying for other florists. And I created a wholesale business called Unfurled. Because ferns are like my spirit plant. Mm. And then you were, I, And you were a botanical liaison. I was a botanical liaison. See, I didn't say the wrong name, I but I always give you. Yes. <laughs> Floral um, concierge, I think it yeah. was. <laughs> I'm trying to give you a different title. But I love botanical liaison. I do too. And it's, it's yes, I'm the original botanical liaison, I like to say. So, yeah. So I just connected with the few farmers that were selling up there. And then I ended up buying the most amount of flowers from the farthest away at the Sonoma Flower Market. And I think at first they thought, that's not practical. How's she going to do that? I was driving a Mini Cooper at the time. Oh, I bet it was just completely packed to the gills. It was packed. 
You wouldn't believe how you well know I how much that thing. you can cram into one. I bet. Oh yeah. So I just kept doing it. I was really, I'm really sincerely passionate about getting the flowers down here. And and you know from our talks before, I wasn't really charging people to do it. I just was like, well, I'm going up there anyway. And then my model changed a bit, and I started doing, you know, changing how do I how do I do that? How do you actually fund it? Because yeah. you have to pay for your gas at least, right? Yeah, yeah. So is it a 10% markup? Is it a 20% markup? Is it a, a monthly fee they pay to be a part of it? It was just trying to figure that out. And then, um, yeah, I just continued going up there for a couple of years. And then Brian, who owned the previous shop, I was trying to get him to be a customer. And he wasn't really into it because he likes to curate his own stuff. Well, then I wasn't making any money doing this, and I, I needed to. So... I took a job as shop manager at his shop and then he saw my curation skills. He saw what I was bringing down. And then he actually opened up his studio for me to have a little wholesale growers market. We would move whatever we didn't sell at the shop. It was a really great. So he kind of became a believer, but you had to go work for him to show him what you meant. Yeah. And he was, he was, he would buy local at the flower market, but it's just not the same. Yeah, And so yeah, so he started, but we moved a lot through the shop. You were saying, I remember because I interviewed you for a story in Florist Review, which I'll add a link to that, a PDF okay. of that, so people can kind of watch your trajectory. <clears throat> but basically, there was sort of no risk because the shop would get, you know, would buy X amount, and then anything over that, you knew you could move to local florists yep. or using your own pop-ups. Yeah. Wow. And how long did you do that? For a couple of years? Probably, yeah, I guess a couple of years because I worked for him for a couple of years and I did that most of the that time. That was your side hustle. Yeah. 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 And then um, and then this opportunity came where he wanted to phase out of retail. Yeah, he did like a semi-retirement, but he wasn't wanting to sell his business. Mm-hmm. He was taking that with him and just asked what I would I like to take over the space if the Wilsons, you know, thought that would be a good idea. And I was, well, I never thought I wanted a retail space. I mean, you are it's you're here all the time. But I thought, you know, it's a really great location. I get to hit the ground running. I get to introduce these flowers to the end customer. Right. And because I talk so much about it, I think that's really important. The florists that I know are already into this, you know, and they know where to find it. Um, And then I, I also started embracing the local growers that are at the San Francisco market as well. So I'm getting to know, um, more of the farmers there. They know what I like. I have one that will cut for me even if I haven't asked, you know. And Do so they tend to be a little bit larger scale or, like, have more, more are they more, Yeah, like they're a little larger, larger scale farms. than the smaller farms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, like, family farms, mm-hmm. you know. I, I buy from the wholesalers as well, but all of my vendors that help me at each wholesaler know, don't put that in Sarah's box. It's not imported. Yeah. If I have somebody shopping for me, they know. I mean, that it is She wants the local stuff. She wants the local stuff. So they know that. And so, you know, the flower market's super important. It's a a part of our big flower hub. Yeah. It's a fabric. It's the fabric of this community. Yeah. Yeah. And they're starting to embrace local more now, which is great. Yeah. But I have these connections that I've built over like three or four years, and I just can't not keep connecting with them and keep driving up. Well, you clearly did because these flowers were in abundance and sometimes didn't have customers up at the North Bay Flower Collective. I mean, yeah. Many things may have changed, but 
in the early days, like five years ago, um, they didn't have the population density that Oakland has either. Yeah. Yeah. And also, because of land costs in Oakland, there aren't a lot of hyper-local farms in East Bay. Is that right. true? There there are a few. Okay. Um, we've got Bluma Farm in Berkeley. We've got Boxcar in West Oakland. Um, there's a small farm that's popped up in the maybe in the last year called Brown Girl Farms in Hayward. Um, they do a lot of produce, but some flowers. Mm-hmm. I'm wanting to connect with them because I, I want my flower hub to be more diverse in lots of different ways and we have to start connecting with people so I'm connecting with a lot of people from far away but want to do that closer right and also just being open to saying okay maybe you grow a lot of produce but how about growing some flowers for me and you know just kind of showing that opportunity yeah and how how that much value added I was going to say profitable but how much value add there is for food growers to consider flowers I have an employee who partner is immunocompromised. She's not working at the shop. She was my shop manager. She was very valuable to me and she still is. So she's this past year and a half have been growing flowers on the property that she rents, drying them, selling some fresh, making beautiful wreaths and which you, which you stock, which I stock and they, I cannot keep them in the shop. I'm not kidding you. They're so beautiful. I I agree. I'll take a photo of that purple one upstairs. Stunning. Yeah. And so you you are very relationship based, and so you have someone like the the manager you just described who can't be a conventional retail employee. You figured out how to keep that person in the business. Yeah, for the first year, I kept her on payroll, and I paid her to make the reads, hmm. and I also supplemented her with some stuff because she wasn't growing as much as she is now. And then during that time, she pivoted. She opened her business. It was fun to watch her do that because I had just done it. Yeah. And um, and I told her, I will buy what you grow. Yeah, you're incubating her. Yeah. That's but, so And neat. then she's got another friend that's in the city, um, Elise from Her Urban Herbs, who's got a beautiful new shop. And she buys pretty much half and I buy half. And so, you know, she'll be able to expand more that she's able to move it. Mm-hmm. And then one thing I want to mention is that a good thing for some of the farmers up in North Bay Flower Collective, um, you know, they pivoted during shelter in place and are now selling directly to the public. So they've either built a farm stand or started CSAs, and it's a lot of them. Yeah. So on one hand, it makes it harder for me to get stuff from them or even impossible for some of them. But I'm so happy that they have those outlets and it allows me to diversify farms and I can buy a little less from more farms. Right. Because right. it's hard for me because I would be like, I want to buy from all of you, you know? And, and, right. And even though I know that I can't, it's actually one of the silver linings. Well, a couple things that may, I want to say in response to that. Uh, one is I asked you upstairs about how many farms was I seeing across your storefront, and you said about 10? Yeah, maybe, maybe even more because there's a couple new farms that have popped up at the farmer's market. So we bought from like three new farms today. Is that Oakland that Farmer's Market? No, it's in Marin, oh. the Marin Civic Center. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so there's a, a few new farms that just popped in. Um, Longer Table Farm just started there selling flowers a couple weeks ago, and we're really excited about that. So it could be 15 to 20 wow. up there, really. And why do you go up to Marin? And for people who don't know the geography, it's not in your backyard. You, no. you have to cross a bridge to get there. Yeah. Is it because you don't want the Oakland customers to say, oh, I just saw that down the street and now no. Sarah's marking it up? No, because some of the farms that I'm shopping 
with there are at the Berkeley Farmer's Market and they're at the Oakland Lake Merritt Farmer's Market. It's because during shelter in place, Front Porch Farm was delivering to me for a little while, but then things slowed down for them a little. So it wasn't practical for them to deliver. So they have a booth at the farmer's market oh. in Marin. So, oh, so I would come go, up and meet us. Come yeah, meet us. So there. I would pick them up, I would pre-order, pick it up there. And that introduced me to Cypress Farm. And he saved my life. I mean, their their flowers were so great and I just couldn't keep them in stock. And I created a relationship with him. He sells to a vendor in the San Francisco flower market, but I love going to the farmer's market. I love talking to the farmer. Mm-hmm. If I can buy directly from the farmer, I'm going to do that. Yeah, because you know? you're going to pass on the, a better value to your customers then, you know. Well, and it's and yes, that's part of it, mm-hmm. but really it's more about the relationship. Yep. I mean, we chat when I'm there. We, I had this farmer that cried with me, and he just – because I, I somehow connected him with one of his customers – that was sheltering a place and couldn't come anymore, but her daughter was having me take her flowers. <laughs> so I'd buy them all from him. And it was just wonderful connection. Like yeah. I have chills just talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, That's just your personality too. Yeah. Wow. Well, the other thing I wanted to observe is that um, for such a small retail space, I, how do you, on earth do you have 10 employees? I mean, that is just <laughs> amazing. And I, maybe it's because not you're just working around people's life and they, exactly. they're fitting in when they can. So everybody, I mean, it's always been important, but a lot of us didn't pay attention to the work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And I, I have an employee who grows lavender in Sebastopol and distills it and sells it. So she needs time to do that. And she needs a break. And, you know, I have another employee who works with another farm or volunteers at a local farm. And they need time to do that and be home with their partners or their animals Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so none of my employees are full-time. They work two or three days a week, one, one and a half. I have two that are students, both getting their master's right now. And then they get to come here and work. Like this is their mental health break. Yeah. And, and a creativity I, break. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I, there's one employee who she just was having a rough day. I said, just come in for some therapy. Go downstairs and just make something. And and that sometimes we just do that for her. And so it's just. That's so neat. And I'm able to pay them pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a long time I didn't pay myself, which I know sounds crazy. No, I've been there myself. But I get it. Yeah, I just need to pay them. You know, I don't have, give medical benefits, mm-hmm. but I, there's so many more benefits working here. And I, yeah. you know, I'm not trying to just pat myself on the back, but it's, I've created something really wonderful and I'm retaining those employees. When you said just go downstairs and make something beautiful, we should explain that your shop is at street level on the mm-hmm. sidewalk, yeah. but there's a, a like a warehousey basement here. Yeah. Okay. So you have like a studio that's not open to the public. Correct. We're in the parking garage. Yeah. And we are hearing a little bit of the generators around us. So apologies for the ambient (laughs) noise. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I do think that um, a lot of your philosophy being a a leader in the slow fires community, I mean, slash employer and slash advocate is um, you're the, you're sort of the, you're at a point in your journey where you can do that. So do you, Mind talking a little bit about your journey and how you came to flowers and what your past career was before you got into flowers? Yeah. So I was actually on the clerical side in the medical field. And I worked for a neurosurgeon at Oakland Children's Hospital. And I loved my job. It was a bit stressful, but I could handle it. 
And then, you know, some mental health stuff happened within my family and caretaking, and it really affected me. And I just sort of crashed. And then it took a, I couldn't go back to that job anymore. My stress, stress threshold level had gone down and I was home a lot. And my husband said, just find something you love to do. Go take a class, do something. And he said, don't you like playing with flowers? Oh, bless him. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I just, I don't take him for granted. He is why I'm a florist. And so I, I took a class at Merritt College in Oakland and it was, you know, small program at a really good horticulture program. This and was about 10 years ago or maybe eight, okay. eight or nine. Okay. Yeah. And, um, I started taking classes. There it was one class a semester. So I did it for three years. I took the same classes over because Kay, our instructor would teach at whatever level you were. And she encouraged me as part of the Cal State Floral Association to take the exam and get certified, even though we don't need to be certified. Right. It's super important. It's to, professional, though. Yeah. And mm-hmm. learn the things. You may not want to use them. Like, I don't use floral foam um, ever. And even taking the class, I even in the beginning, I didn't want to use it. And so I wanted to just use natural mechanics. So even though she was teaching the use of foam, she would let me do something different. Hmm. You know, I would I'd just... You came up with your own, your own mechanic alternative. And I did do some stuff in foam in the beginning because, because learning how to use it, then I was like, okay, what can I use to achieve the same thing? But honestly, my style is a little bit more wild and it's not the foam look. It's the wildflower and fern look. Yeah. 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 I actually did a casket piece for the first time this morning with no foam and just use moss. Which it was, people claim cannot be done. So oh no. I am glad to hear about this. Yes, I did it. I didn't get have time to photograph the final one, but I was taking pictures during the stages so I could show you what, oh, what I was neat. doing. And it was very sturdy. And it, and it's hot out. Yeah. That's so... If, yeah. they, if the flowers do well in, in moss yeah. uh, at a funeral... Yeah. Well, in, I did use a lot of things that I knew would do okay. Sure, of you course. Know, thistle that's part and of the leucodendron and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and that's part of the experience. Yeah, yeah. So when you, um, you, did you, was your, no. you got certified mm-hmm. and, and that's probably right around when I met you. Yeah. And did you primarily just plan to be a freelance wedding and event designer or? No, no. I'm actually really not into event stuff. Mm-hmm. Seems a little wasteful to me mm-hmm. just, just because I'm, it just. Yeah. So I actually six months into taking classes, I did get my first job at a shop in Berkeley and I worked for her for about three and a half years. Okay. And then I couldn't really move up there. It was a really small shop. I learned so much from her. And that's when I started just doing pop-ups and doing my own retail. I popped up within a pop-up and then I started buying from Sonoma Flower Market mm-hmm. and it just, just took, took off from there. Like an organic uh, unfurling. Yeah. I even, I would like buy the flowers at the Sonoma Flower Market go to my cabin where it's really shady and process them and spend the night in the redwoods, just make it an experience. And then I had a shop in Occidental up there that I would drop arrangements off at. And then I would come down and do pop-ups down here. So it's just, it was just this fun adventure every time. Mm-hmm. And also I can forage up there because I'm into foraging and, in um, so stuff on your property and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, stuff on your property. And um, we grow a lot of ferns on the property and, you know, I put ferns and everything. That's so when cool. I can. Yeah. So, so it's interesting that you're combining like this personal aesthetic, which you already had w- with a little bit more of the retail shop experience, which was kind of the everyday 
a little bit of everything. But also, even though you didn't think you'd ever own a retail shop, you probably learned a lot all those years working in retail to be like, okay, here's how I want my business to be. Well, I managed the shop prior for about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I learned a lot doing that. Uh, Of the location here. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's a wonderful story. And, um, you know, just the fact that you, everything you do is, is connections and people. You have a, a, I think you're probably on a lot of people's speed dial and you have a lot of farmers on your speed dial. I mean, that's just like constantly communicating. And I guess what the other thing I was going to observe is like, you're really in a 12 month season, 12 months of the year business model that uh, some people in other parts of the country don't have the luxury of. So you, you max it out. Yeah. Yeah. There are, you know, in the winter, less of my small farms that I can get stuff from. Um, but I have people at the San Francisco flower market. You know, I don't buy imported roses, but I can find roses there. Um, and I just, we have less blooms maybe and yeah. more berries and branches. And we're just, you also have to teach your customer about seasonality too. And so we just, seasonal. You just talk it talk it up and get, get excited about a berry or a, a branch yeah. or a forced bloom and then it, they get excited. Exactly. How, yeah, I, I think that's pretty interesting. And, and I noticed upstairs you have a lot of straight bunches. Mm-hmm. You have pre-made bouquets. Mm-hmm. And do you sell single stems too? We just started doing that again. Okay. We had stopped for the mo- the previous model in the previous shop was pretty much single stems oh. and a few mixed bouquets. And that was kind of a European style, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. But for me, it wasn't super practical. It was so much glass and we had to wash it. and A lot of labor, too. A just, lot of labor. Yeah. And so when – and I wanted to, when I first opened the shop, pivot to only local and more of an elevated farm stand mm-hmm. model. Mm-hmm. But it was hard to tear off the Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. And then when COVID hit, that's all I could do. <laughs> sell bunches of stuff because literally I would take 20 bunches up. I'd come down when I went back up, they were gone. Because you didn't have your employees. Exactly. It was just me. So it was all just bunches. And then there were farms at the farmer's market that were making pre-made bunches that were beautiful. And so I would, I would buy them at the price they were selling them to the public and then mark them up here and move them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, they could go to that farmer's market and get it, but they're not going to drive all the way over there and get yeah. that. And you're maybe adding a vase or adding different wrap or so. I mean, you're, you're taking care of people when they come in. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we actually leave it in the wrap of the original farm so that people know where it's coming oh, from. Oh, right. You said that. Like yeah, you're so transparent we're, about Yeah. Origin. We're celebrating the source of origin. I'm not in competition with the farm. I'm not worried that someone's going to go directly to the farm. And if they do, that's great for the farm. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of customers, so I'm good. Mm-hmm. And so, and then just recently, you know, because people miss the ability to choose what they want. And now that things are opening up, I feel like it's a bit safer. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, now we have single stems. And then we have mixed bouquets from about three farms. And we have another farm who just gave us a sample, mm. Boxcar Farm in Oakland. So we're probably going to start moving theirs That's as well. Pretty. Yeah, they're really beautiful. And um, all sort of the uncommon, quirky curiosity ingredients that the average grocery store, grocery store shopper doesn't even know what it is. So then that yeah. stimulates a conversation. Yeah, there's another farm, Bluma Farm in Berkeley. And she um, just communicated with me about just a mixed herb bouquet that... We were talking about last season, mm-hmm. but we didn't get it together. And 
Um, so she grows these beautiful herbs and makes bouquets out of them. And they don't sell anything like that at our produce station. And I think it would be the perfect place because this is a food market. Because people come here to buy their dinner ingredients. Exactly. I love it. It's and then you so can sell great. edible flowers too, yeah. which you probably already do. We did mm. before. <laughs> And then everything changed. So we will get back into that again. Well, um, I wanted to talk about what's on deck and what's future. You kind of alluded to, you know, opening back up. You're getting a little bit more flexibility. Um, You are probably also responding to customers who ask, like, how to take a design workshop or Mm -hmm. how to learn more. So tell me a little bit about what your plans are for education and anything else that's sort of on the horizon for this year. Yeah, so we don't have a great space here to do workshops, but we're going to be partnering with a couple farms that are local and um, doing workshops on their space and collaborating with them. Because you'll then use their flowers. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And then there are local art spaces that you can rent or, you know, and we'll probably start looking at that. Now now that I have most of my staff back and I can kind of, like, breathe – um, we'll start working some of that stuff in because we're getting a lot of people asking. Yeah. People want experiences and to do stuff, especially now. I love what you up. said when we talked about this before we started recording, which is the best way to teach people about local flowers is to let them experience local exactly. flowers. Yeah. 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 We, we talk a lot to them, but it would be really good for them to handle them and, mm-hmm. and really see what is coming from I mean, our local farms. I mean, this isn't new for you because I remember there was some time maybe before you – started the business weren't you taking florists on field trips to see farms (laughs) yeah yeah we had one big one that we did we had a couple international florists come to town and they were doing a workshop and so we were going to source for them and then I was like maybe they would want to meet the farms and so we did that we visited a couple farms um from the North Bay Flower Collective and we had an organic local lunch that my mom and my husband put together for us in the redwoods at our cabin and just it was like an international discussion of local and slow um, within our regions. You know, we had somebody from London, somebody from Mexico. And it, I was sitting there thinking, how did this happen? <laughs> and then I was like, you did this. You did it and you, you were open to it and you said yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I would love to do more of that. Uh, and I think it's actually all, these, all this discussion of future plans, we have to pause and congratulate you, Sarah, for getting through COVID and actually coming through, it sounds like in a much more, like a solid point of strength, like you, yeah. you got through it and now you are even farther along. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I mean, maybe you would have been farther along if you hadn't had COVID, but you just never know because you learn new things about yourself. I, I, I say all the time that there are silver linings. Yeah. And, and also if something happens, I'm like, you know what? It's a pandemic. It's Okay. <laughs> Some of my staff are like, I got to get this done. I'm like, it's okay if it doesn't get done. We'll do it tomorrow. It's okay. Talk about self-care. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But I, and it's like I have to tell people, let's just settle down. It's all going to be fine. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Well, I cannot believe that you are bringing all these wonderful team members with you to the Slow Flower Summit. So Wildflower and Fern is going to be like, I don't know if this was a sports competition, you'd have the biggest varsity team or something. <laughs> It's really exciting that you you thought of that and you thought about involving them. It's educational for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I, like I said, I don't give medical benefits, but there are other benefits and they've all been working so hard, whether they work four days a week or two days a week. 
and they deserve this. And I want to share with them what I'm passionate about even more. That's so neat. And I've learned so much from you. And I just, oh. I think they're going to love it. And then I have, I have one employee who owns a shop in Oakland and he's coming and bringing a couple of his employees because his shop is not all about local, but he came here, you know, he needed to pivot and figure out what he wanted to do. And, and he came here and started seeing the, the stuff that we're using. And I see it in his design work at his shop, even though we have different styles. And You're influencing him. Yeah. And he's influencing me. I mean, he's mm-hmm. such a good designer. And mm-hmm. we're all learning from each other. And that was the thing. He's very humble. It wasn't like, okay, I've been doing flowers for 30 years. I'm going to come show you what I can do. He wanted to learn from us. Wow. And that was pretty that's exciting. A, that's an affirmation. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, after we had this conversation and, and just came up with an agreement where you're coming on board as a sponsor um, and we're, you know, hosting all your employees. I said to Karen Thornton, my uh, event manager, we need to come up with a package in the future, like bring your team members inspired by you. So yeah. So maybe (laughs) when we're at our not yet to be announced uh, 2022 location, we'll have to come up with a way to do that. Yeah. I think that would be a great idea. It's for me, it was like, you know, it's not super, cheap no and it's a spend yeah but i just it's worth it oh well we're gonna make it worth it too and um really it'll be delightful to watch the expression on people's faces when they they get to see your world and um so thank you sarah thank you so much and um is there anything i didn't ask you that you want to make sure we mention on well this? i wanted to talk just a little bit about more about the future yeah yeah um You know, so I work with these farms up in North Bay Flower Collective, and it's still not super easy for all of them to bring stuff down. And because it's about an hour and a half, two hour drive. Yeah, yeah, depending on where they are. And in Bay Area, it's like traffic, not not anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said before, a couple of them started CSAs, so they're coming down sometimes. So I can go up; they can come down. We can have a small hub in Petaluma um, for you know farms to drop off. Handoff kind of thing. Handoff, yeah, Mm -hmm. and then. And nobody's processing things. It's literally just take your buckets down. Um, we haven't gotten it all figured out yet. Do you pre-order? Is it just I have florists come shop? Because I have florists shop my cooler now. You know, when they need something, they know That's where That's what I come. meant about you being on speed yeah, dial. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it just happened this morning. So, yeah, so I want, it's what I've wanted all along is to be a little hub. It doesn't have to be huge. I just think it's important to connect and and i would like to it to get a little bit bigger yeah and you see the you know what the potential is yeah. you're just scratching the f- surface with the, the space you're in now yeah yeah there's a lot of possibilities um is there a wholesaler of a conventional floral wholesaler in east bay there is the oakland flower market okay and they're one like one wholesaler. I think a lot of their stuff's imported. Yeah. I don't shop there much. When I say conventional, that's kind of what yeah. I'm implying. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're kind of just doing what has been done for the last 25 years. Yeah. And they also have a booth at the San Francisco flower market. Oh, so it's, huh? Yeah. Um, wow. But mm. there's so much room for, I just, you know, see that the, the consumer, the perfect consumer who wants local flowers is going to want more all the time. And so it's not like just a special occasion flower. It's a lifestyle that people have about having local flowers in their lives. Well, yeah, even more so now because over the last summer, it was like they needed plants, they needed flowers. We all needed that. And we're not going to stop needing it now that we're so used to it. I buy, 
I don't sell a lot of plants because I have a friend with a really nice plant store, and I don't know plants as well as I know flowers. Sure. But I cannot keep ferns in my shop. They're, I just people just need yeah greenery in plus that's sort of on on brand for you so don't do everything but at least get your fern game on that's all i do ferns and i have a good fern game that's so cool well when do you think that this hub is going to evolve are you going to kind of because you're entering a very busy season so maybe next winter you'll pull it together well yeah we're going to start it this season um we're just kind of working out the details and then kind of figure out what it is and then it'll probably expand next season. Okay. Yeah. So if people follow Wildflower and Fern on Instagram, they'll they're look. probably going to hear the, see what's going on. Yeah, they'll learn about it. For Good. Sure. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been just a delight. And um, I'm just getting more and more pumped that, let's see, it's Thursday. We have until Monday. I'll be really ready to, to play with flowers on Monday. So Yeah, I'm excited. And I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. Oh, I know. It's long <laughs> and coming. Um, thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us today as I introduce you to one of our Slow Flowers leaders who has created an important and influential hub for local flowers in San Francisco's East Bay area. And thanks to Sarah and her entire team at Wildflower and Fern for welcoming me when I visited and for bringing your energy, enthusiasm, and local flowers to the Slow Flowers Summit. Wildflower and Fern also served as one of our meal sponsors, sharing even more support for the Slow Flowers mission. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry with the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small, and even to backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnnysseeds.com. Today is a big day for the Slow Flowers podcast. It is our eighth anniversary since starting this small but mighty program on July 23rd, 2013. Since launching, we have produced more than 400 consecutive weekly Slow Flowers podcast episodes. And those episodes have been downloaded nearly 750,000 times by listeners like you. That's three quarters of a million downloads. It's so fitting that Sarah Reyes of Wildflower and Fern joined me on today's program because she embodies the mission and values of the Slow Flowers movement. Sarah's interview is going to be our final audio-only episode. Today we are launching our new podcast platform, adding video programming to enhance the audio interviews and conversations you've listened to for eight years. You can find the link to watch and subscribe to Slow Flowers podcast on YouTube and Facebook Live beginning today and every Wednesday going forward. It is my goal to introduce you to the faces and voices, the farms, shops, and studios, and most of all, the flowers of our community. The audio of each episode will continue to land in your inbox in whatever way you've listened before, including iTunes, Spotify, and at DeborahPrinzing.com. Thanks in advance for following me down this vodcast path. I'm excited to see you there. Our final sponsor thanks goes to Mayash Wholesale Florist, family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded nearly 750,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks to support Soulflower's ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one base at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Thank you so much to Andrew for helping me set up our new video podcast platform and teaching me the technology. I'll be relying more on his talents in the coming days. And you can learn more about Andrew and his work at soundbodymovement.com. 